0: I would invite you now to turn in your Old Testaments to Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. We're going to begin with three weeks of looking at this great psalm that will just hopefully God will use to lead us into His heart, into an expanded view of His grace, and into a new year that that just has more joy and and more sense of, of what the Lord wants to do. Psalm 103, and verse 1. The word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. I want to begin 2003 by asking a question. The question is very straightforward. In fact, you might want to write this question down and think about it beyond this worship service. The question simply is, what kept you from really opening up your life more to God in 2012? What kept you from really opening your life up to God more last year? What areas of your life do you hold back from God? Why do we withhold parts of ourselves, areas of our lives from this God who loves us? You know, you, you think about the Lord and I will tell you what God is not like. God is not up somewhere in the corner of a room in a rocking chair with his hands crossed in heaven, saying, I am the great God, and you may seek me, you may try to approach me. That is not the way he is. Now, he is great, and he is mighty, and nobody can approach him and live. That's true enough, but you know, the truth about God is, he seeks us. God, this this great God and this redeeming God, has come to us in Christ by His Holy Spirit. I want you to know, as we move into this new year, God loves you. And God wants you. He is seeking you. How will we respond? You see, we're the problem so often when it comes to God. Now Friday, as I started thinking about why I would not put my whole life out before God, why I would reserve certain areas uh, and not just worship Him and seek Him in all these areas. I wrote down a, a few of these answers, and, and, and I'm no, by no means trying to, to move us towards some kind of a crisis experience where once and for all, we will never struggle with you know, not putting it out before the Lord. We're going to, to wrestle with it every day. But God's grace is incredible, and, and I put it out on our social media website um, that we have through our church called The City, if you're not on the city, you can sign up in the, uh, the foyer. We'd love to have you on the city. It's how we communicate with one another. And so I put this question on the city. I said, I need some help with the sermon. Um, what is it, why is it that you kept part of yourself from God in 2012? What, what keeps you from just putting it all out there with Him? And I got some great and insightful answers from you, which I would like to read a short list of what the people sitting next to you said about this. Number one, I wrote this by the way, because I think it's the number one, we fear the loss of control if we give our lives over fully to God. Number two, we fear the unknown. Where might God take my life? I'm not sure, I it's kind of like control, I'm not sure I wanna go, he, you know, he's free and He's sovereign, and He's love, and He will lead. I'm out of the fear of the unknown. Where might God take me? Number three, the fear of inconvenience or some kind of restriction of my choices. Boy, that's getting at it, isn't it? I'm afraid if I I just really say to God, God, I am Yours. You love me. I want to know You. I want to be held by You. I want want to be led by You that maybe I would have restriction of my choices. Maybe it would be inconvenient. Number four, uh, someone said, we're running our lives so fast, it's, uh, we don't stop to open up to God. And that's, that's true as well. And then finally, just old-fashioned unbelief. I'm not sure God will come through for me. And so I'm not going to completely trust Him. But don't you really know, and you do, if you know Him, you know this, that the Creator, Sustainer of all... The Redeemer, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving, personal God. You, you, You know deep in your heart, He is the one who will love you the most and lead you the best in your life. You know that. You know that's where the real peace is. You see, you're here to find God. Did you know that? You're here because you suspect God has called His people to worship here, that God will reveal something of His character, something of His grace to you. You're here because you do believe that. And um, you know that's where the joy in life is. You know, and I know, that He has a plan, and we can trust His plan. But deep down, if you know Him, don't you want Him? You do. And if that is the what you're, if you're just agreeing with with me right now in your heart and your mind, let me tell you, Psalm 103 is for you. And and what David does is David gives us a way of opening our lives to God. He gives us some incredible advice on how we can just take where we are and and move into more openness, more. out there with our lives toward God and I put it in one sentence and I want you to write the sentence down in your bulletin and you can talk about it later but here's the sentence David says we worship the best when we remember the most let me just say it's very simple we worship the best when we remember the most bless the Lord O my soul all that is within me praise Worship His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, don't forget, remember His benefits. We worship the best when we remember the most. He starts with this idea of basically telling his soul, come on, put it out there. Seek God. Worship Him. Praise Him. Bless Him. Many scholars believe, as David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Praise his holy name that that this was penned by David in the later part of his life after he had gone through so much in his life. And we're going to talk a little bit about David's life and and why David really knows what he's talking about, as he gives us this this wonderful leadership this morning. Um and he comes to this. David is literally talking to himself. And he's not crazy. You know why? Because we need to talk to ourselves. Because we don't just naturally go there, because we do focus inward more than we focus upward, even though we just need him so much. And David basically grabs himself by the nape of the neck and says, Soul, go for it. Engage him. Open your heart. Bless the Lord. O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. And what is the soul? He said, well, that's kind of a, a spiritual thing. I mean, I'm not sure what a soul really is. Well, it, Jonathan Edwards, the great puritan theology, was the most helpful in understanding what the soul is. He just said, you know, the soul is the essence of who you are. That's the spiritually who you are. Kind of the, the mind, the heart, and the soul, who you are spiritually, all the same. And so when David says, soul, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, he, he's saying the, the essence of me, who's really me, needs to open up. To who is really you, God. All of me to worship all of you. But you know, we're we're the people that hurt ourselves. We're the ones that hold back. And and I'll just say to you right up front, when we hold back our lives from the Lord, we lose. Now I know that is counterintuitive. Because as we are positioning ourselves in light of other people, circumstances, things... As all these fears, all this desire to control, make the, the, the plate spin, make everything go the way it is, we would feel like maybe if we lost control, we would lose. But the fact is, when we grab control, we lose because we run it into a ditch. Because we don't have that, that viewpoint of God. We don't have the ability to, to lead our lives like God does. And when we try to control things, basically, we're cheating ourselves. Get that in your head right now, the first Sunday of 2013. Am I going to cheat myself? Am I going to lose? Or am I going to live this life that God has called me to live? David's saying this to himself and to us Give it to God. Praise his holy name. He's the holy one, he's the mighty one. He's always God. You're always you. You always need him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So we worship the best, all of us. You see David's call? Don't hold it back. But we worship the best, David says, when we remember the most. And not only do we need to remember, we need to tell ourselves what we remember. You see, we worship God not just because of who he is, but also for what he has done. And we remember what he has done. Verse 2 Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Charles Spurgeon, the uh, British preacher of, of another century, talks about how tilted we are toward remembering the hard things, the ugly things, the bad things, the difficult things. I want you to think about what the things in your life are that you just naturally remember. I mean, we just don't go to people and say, I can't believe how you're just holding on to appreciation. Every morning you wake up and you're just appreciating this person more and more. You're just so fixated on how wonderful God is. You're so fixated on, on how this person... You're just holding on to appreciation. No, what are we holding on to? We're holding on to hurt. We're holding on to bitterness. We're holding on to disappointment. We're holding on to fear. That's where we go. The reason we have to remi- remember and talk to ourselves is because naturally in our hearts, we're not going to the benefits of God's grace. We're going to all these things, but Spurgeon says this by a strange perversity. We treasure up all the garbage. Isn't that good? We treasure up all the garbage of the past and then neglect to remember the treasures of the past. We tenaciously hold on to our grievances But we hold our benefits so loosely. Translated, we remember the bad stuff and we need to make ourselves remember the good stuff. Forgetting what God has done in our lives is a great way of putting space between you and God. Because you know what? If we don't remember who God is. If we don't remember the great things He has done, then we're going to be focused on all these things that happen in a fallen world, and we're going—you know—we're going to do. We're going to do. We're saying, "Well, I don't even know if God's good." You know, maybe God's not even there, because it's all about us, and it's, and it's all about what we remember, and we're not talking to ourselves. So, in this new year, let's let's look at how David. He kind of runs a list of the benefits of God, and he starts with who forgives all your sins. Forget not his many benefits, who forgives all your sins. What is it that keeps us from God? It is that little three-letter word. Sin. Sin is what separates us from God. And sin not only keeps us from God, you know the other thing sin does? It weighs us down. I mean, you want to talk about a life that's better than another life? You want to choose a bad life? then basically it is to be selfish, live into that, and just be weighed down with guilt. And we're not even talking about the consequences of sin. And we're not even talking about the consequences, not just for you, but for the people around you. This gets real heavy when we try to run it. And when it's about what we want and the fear of of, of losing control, you see. King David experienced this. King David went through a period of time when he was an adulterer and a murderer. It's like the man after God's heart killed somebody. Yeah, he killed the woman he slept with's husband. When David talks about how beautiful and wonderful the forgiveness of sin is and how it makes a difference and how close to God he feels and reconnected to God through forgiveness, he knows what he's talking about. We read in Psalm 32... Because this guilt was just unbearable. Blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit has no deceit. Listen to these words. When I kept silent, when I kept running my life, doing what I wanted to do, not admitting my sin, trying to control it, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you. Finally I said, I can't live without you. I acknowledged my sin to you. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And this is where this great sentence, and he forgave my sin, right? No, that's not what it says. He forgave the guilt of my sin. He not only took my sin away, He took the heaviness away. And now there is this wonderful likeness. Let me tell you, Christ died for our sin. Christ paid the price for your sin. When you have put your trust in Christ, and, and look, we sin. We're selfish. I'm Me included. When I say I, we need to talk to ourselves, I need to talk about this. Joseph. Go to your Heavenly Father. You don't need to run from your sin. You don't need to try to blame other people. Go to your Heavenly Father. It's already paid for. Run to Him. I want you to know in 2013, there is nobody in this room who goes to the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus who has come and put his trust in the works of Jesus who will be turned away by God. You will be forgiven, and there will be a sense of renewal, and there will be a sense of closeness. Don't you want Him? He wants you. And He not only wants you like in the category of a Christian, in the category of being His child, He wants you to have a conscience that is free. He wants you to have a lightness and joy because He is the one who forgives our sins. I read in a commentary about a, an interesting product, um, it's hilarious really, that just kind of illustrates how deeply we need forgiveness to have a, a decent life. Uh, The product was called the disposable guilt bag. The disposable guilt bag. And you could order this and it would be sent in the mail. This is real. Um, The product was, quote, guaranteed to relieve you of your personal guilt. Now, the design of the product was very simple. It was a a shrink-wrapped package of ten brown lunch bags. But each bag had these instructions. Take a very deep breath. Place bag tightly over your mouth. Blow your guilt into the bag. Quickly seal and tie with uh, provided ties the guilt in the bag. Dispose of the bag immediately and you will feel better. The Associated Press reported that 2,500 people within two weeks had ordered disposable guilt bags. You know why? Because we need God. And we need that closeness. And and God provides a relationship on the basis of the cross. And and relationship on the basis of the forgiveness of sins. Don't you want Him? Secondly, who heals all your diseases. Now in conjunction with the forgiveness of sins is is this idea of healing. I want you to know, in this church, we believe in physical healing. Healing. But we believe that it all comes, first of all, through the healing of a soul that is broken and ruined before God through the grace of Jesus Christ. In fact, when you look at healing in the New Testament, you see a relationship with Christ, forgiveness of sins in connection with healing. I'll give you a great example. It's Matthew 9, 2. Some men brought brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, the paralyzed man, "Take heart, son." He didn't say get up and walk. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Only then did he say, "Take up your mat and walk." And in James chapter five, verses fourteen through sixteen, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church, and they should anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the the prayer prayed in faith will make the sick person well. And if he has sinned, he must confess his sins one to another. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. And so out of this relationship with God, we have a God not just sitting up there who has come to us, has died for us, and who loves us and just wants to be right there with us in intimacy and to deal with our sin and and just to forgive us every day. And we have a God who cares. And yes, he does heal instantaneously. And yes, He does heal sometimes through long treatment. And there are times that He heals finally and completely in heaven. But one thing you will never have to worry about if you're a follower of Jesus is that you will be stuck with sickness forever. You will not. He loves you. And He will bring healing to you. I think it's a good time to maybe just make a little announcement. And that is that we have a, a really active healing ministry in this church. In fact, the last time we anointed somebody with oil, a lot of times it will be in my office or the session room or we'll come to your house. The elders of this church love to obey that passage. And so I'm, I'm just putting it out there. And this is not only for you, but it's for anybody else that would like healing prayer. We would be absolutely delighted. To anoint you with oil and to pray the prayer of faith at healing prayers over you. This God, don't you want Him? Heals all our diseases, forgives all of our sins. Thirdly, He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Now the pit, we know all about the pit. We've been in the pits. Sometimes the pit is emotional, right? Sometimes we're just down and we can't get out. Uh, Sometimes the pit in David's life would be danger, inherent danger. In fact, you, you look at the story of David, and what you see is that there are time, there's like several times in life where David, he's just not sure if he's going to make it through the Mars. Saul's hunting him. Or, or The real low point was when his own son, Absalom, not only wanted to take over his kingdom, not only got the army, but then tried to kill him. That's a pretty bad point when your own son wants to kill you. And take your chair. And, uh, and those are some of the scriptures where, where David is just in the pit. And God delivers him out of the pits. But, but uh, D.A. Carson says the pit is about deadly dangers in this life, but it's also about the dread possibility of hell in the next life. A lot of times when the Bible talks about the pit, it literally is talking about the pit of hell. That not only does God love you and care for you, and not only does He deliver us out of situations, and I don't even know what that looks like, He meets us, Sometimes it's emotional. You do realize that God is bigger than your emotions. I know that you and I, we feel our emotions 130%, right? But He transcends our emotions. And if we would open our lives to Him, if we would trust Him, He has the ability to, to work in our emotions, to give us that peace and that strength. Sometimes He literally pulls us out of danger. But I tell you one thing, isn't it a great thing to walk around in this world and, and not have to worry about the pit of hell? It is not a good thing to walk around with cosmic guilt hanging over and cosmic meaning in the, just out there because God is holy and we're not punishment hanging over us. For people who have not put their trust in Jesus, the law of God is written on our hearts and it's rattling all the time and there is a sense of cosmic guilt and we'll try to get rid of it in all kind of ways. It's not coming off. And the, and, and the pit of hell is looming. And God's saying to you if you know Him, don't you want me? I'm, I'm, I'm there. I love you. I've forgiven you. I, I heal you. I, I, I will be there in your emotions. I'll be there in your danger. I'm, I'm a warrior. I'm a protector. You will never have to worry about the pit of hell again don't even worry about it go live your life with me Christ has redeemed our lives from the pit but notice not only are we redeemed from the pit but he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy it's kind of the idea that that God takes a life ruined by sin and not only makes it safe makes it beautiful and he takes people that know him and and look, you know, we're all going to, to struggle with many things and we're going to, there's going to be some adventures and misadventures in 2013 for all of us. And, and we are going to, to be selfish and we are going to, to really have to, to move toward the Lord in, in different ways and, and just really, really look to Him. But you know, if you want Him, if you want to just put more of you out there before Him, I'm going to tell you, He is going to work in your life in such a way that that other people will say, tell me about that. And you'll say, you see this crown? I mean, figuratively, that's just mercy. It's a crown of mercy and compassion. It's not about me. The reason I am who I am is because of what God has done in my life. Don't you want to open your life up to this God who cancels our sin, forgives us, heals us, reaches down when we're on all these pits, lifts us out, saves us from the eternity that we don't want to go to. And then lastly, who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, the NIV says, who satisfies your desires with good things. Now, doesn't this get to, really get to why we would hold things back from the Lord? because we really want our desires satisfied. And this is where that unbelief comes in. I mean, David knows what he is talking about. You know, you you look at the life of David, and I'm going to tell you, I like young David better than old David. When when David was young, David didn't want to be king, did he? What did David want to do? He was very content being a shepherd. You know, one of the reasons God chose David to be king is because he didn't want to be. He just loved being what his father was. And he wrote beautiful poetry out of a very simple, trusting heart. As you read the Psalms, you say, wow, that's intimate, that's personal, that's trusting. And it was, yes, it was God when all the other brothers wouldn't worry. It was God who said, the guy who doesn't want, doesn't want it, doesn't want power, that's the guy I want, the guy who loves me. And he brought David in. But you know, the, the, after David was anointed king, for fort. Years he had to run from the sitting king of Israel, Saul. For 14 years, Saul tried to kill him. Can you imagine how exhausting this life is? Well, in 1 Samuel 24, Saul and all his men are out hunting for David, and Saul, don't mean to be indelicate, has to go to the bathroom. And so, Saul, there's a cave. And so Saul's men post outside the cave and Saul goes in to relieve himself. And the strangest thing happens. David and a few of his men are hiding in the cave where Saul is there doing what he's doing. And one of David's men says, go ahead and do it. Kill him. You won't have to run anymore. Don't you see? This is the Lord. This is the Lord that is ending all your... Pr- take control. God's put this... Go kill him. And you know, David, he's not going to satisfy his own desires. He's going to trust God. David says, I'm not going, I don't, I'm not going to kill my way out of this... Pro- I will not lift my hands, raise my hands against the Lord's anointed." And he let Saul go. One scholar says the fact that Saul went in to attend to his needs. and that's even more delicate, isn't it? Also meant that he would be in the cave alone. His soldiers and bodyguards outside. David and his men were in a deeper recess of the cave. What are the chances? This was no coincidence. Now here's the sentence. But arranged by God himself. To test David. To see if David would trust God rather than taking the matter into his own hand. And he trusted God, and David just was lifted up by God. Isn't that beautiful? But then there's the middle-aged Saul. And for those of you, us, who are in middle age, uh, I still like to call myself young middle age, please be instructed by this, because now David has been king for quite a long time, and David is used to, his power. David is in a time of spiritual lethargy. There's nothing he doesn't have. David's no longer trusting God and, and going out to defend his kingdom. And And one day, David would be at another crossroads of his own desires, wouldn't he? And whether he would let God meet those desires in a good way, or whether he would take control of it. Of course, this is the, the day he was up on this roof and he saw a young woman, beautiful young woman, named Bathsheba. And uh, would, would he allow the Lord to fulfill his desires with good things and renew his youth like the eagles? No. And I'm going to tell you, and you know this if you know the story of David, this is the thing that hurt him so badly. Taking it into his own hands. He ordered... Bathsheba to be brought to him. He violated her. And then he killed her husband to try to cover it up. What a turn of events. David had changed. I want to be like young David. Don't you? I don't want to be like old David. I I, I want to have that bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that's within me. I, I want you, God, who satisfies My desires, your desires with good things. And then it says, and renews your youth like the eagle. I I think we know that sin promises so much, but it always takes more than it gives. Do you believe that? In the first Sunday of 2013, do you believe that taking charge of it and doing it yourself, it promises so much? It's very counterintuitive to say, I'm going to trust God. But it pays so little compared to what it takes. What are we holding ourselves? What area are we holding away from the Lord? And what are we doing that for? Do we actually think that thing will give us more than the God, our Redeemer, who loves us, forgiven us, adopted us, heals us, satisfies us? And then it says, and renews your youth like the eagles. Satisfies your desires with good things. You renew your youth like the eagles. You know, Jerry Bridges talks about how a tree stops growing at some point. How the human body stops growing. You get to a certain place. To, in fact, I think you start shrinking at a certain point. Guess what? The human soul... There's no limit to the growth. There, there's no time in the human soul where God says, nope, you've grown enough. The, the possibility for growth into God's heart and the, the knowledge of His grace and the, the way He works and, and His love and the shades and textures and colors of His love, there's just no end to what we can learn. And so a walk with God that just opens up to God and worships Him is a walk where there is renewed strength. No matter how old you are. I was with Harry and Dale Simpkins after the early service. Man, I want to be like Harry and Dale Simpkins one day. Or, you know, Bonnie, Ed and Bonnie, all you guys who are a little ahead of us in the journey who renews your youth like the eagles. The eagle is a metaphor in Scripture for continuing strength. You know, eagles live uh, over 100 years. That's pretty amazing. When you see an eagle flying, it could be 100 years old. And... Uh, Eagles, you know, they lose their feathers and kind of grow others. That's called molting, I believe that's called. But um, when an eagle is around 100 years old, there's, there's a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing that happens in an eagle. An eagle, eagle goes through menopause or something 100 years old. No, actually what an eagle happens is, is that all the feathers pretty much come off of the eagle. And so there's a 100-year-old eagle with no feathers. He's looking pretty rough, Right. Well, this is the one time in his life where all the feathers come off and all new feathers are grown. And so what you get is a hundred-year-old eagle that looks like a majestic, young eagle. Don't you want this God who just keeps renewing us out of a relationship with Him? Forgives our sin, loves us, heals us, deals with our emotions, just puts His arm around us in the pit, brings to us what we need. In a world of wear and tear and emotional tiredness from chasing all kinds of things, God wants to renew us. He wants to give us strength from the inside out. So, 2013. Remember, David says, His many benefits. Think about this. Talk to yourself. God is greater. God is better. God's grace is sweeter. God's grace is greater than sin. God's grace and His gifts are greater than what I can come up with and go for in my own mind. We worship the best when we remember the most. Maybe we ought to bring it down to this prayer that you can pray to the Lord as we go to this table of grace. God, help me to want to bring all of me to all of you in 2013. Let's pray. I'm going to pray that, and you want to pray it with me. And you're going to have to pray it tomorrow, so don't be afraid. Just follow God here. Lord, would you help me to want to bring all of me to all of you? Lord, would you help me to trust you And would you bring that forgiveness? Would you bring that healing, that lifting, and that renewal of strength to my life this year? And I will worship you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.